0: Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Hey everyone, welcome back to another solo episode of The Right Way Podcast coming at you on this gorgeous fall day. Thank God it's not 3,000 degrees. And today I wanted to talk to our listeners who have yet to be published, the listeners who On occasion, send us emails about what it's like to be a writer today and how much they want to be published, how much they hope to be published. Today, I am speaking directly to you. I know it's so easy for Joe and I to come on every week and talk about the business and talk about the process and talk about like (laughs) our gripes with the industry or our accomplishments, or what have you, but the simple truth is we have both been unpublished at one time or another, and we remember what it's like uh, to want to be published, to think that by becoming traditionally published or getting your work out there, that something fundamentally will change for you, that it means that you become someone, that you become an author, that you're chosen, that you're seen, that your work is worthy, that it's worth payment, that it's worth accolades and awards and all of those things that we've told ourselves is what it really means to be an author today, that there is a difference between being a writer and being an author. And I've really come to learn through this long, kind of crazy, cyclical process over, you know, the last 20 plus years that that is just patently untrue. Being a writer is the same thing as being an author. <laughs> um, being someone who sits down and puts pen to paper, even if it never sees the light of day, that is still as worthy, as important, as useful to a potential reader as the author who gets paid, you know, a million dollars and puts their work out there maybe once or twice in their lifetime. I know it can seem sometimes like you're never going to get chosen, that you do all this work and that, you know, you're waiting to be picked. And I think that that really says a lot about how misinformed we are as writers and how we feel like the only way to make it in this industry is to sit back and wait for someone to say yes. And today I really want to talk about how you can put yourself in the driver's seat of your own career, how you can really orchestrate this career in a way that feels good to you. And I do not that doesn't necessarily mean getting an agent, getting published, and stepping out there in a big way that can be getting self-published or getting hybrid published or not even writing books. Maybe it's landing um, an article in a magazine, becoming a column writer, starting a blog. Uh, However you want to get your work out there, you absolutely can. And I really want you to hear that. If you want to be published today, you can. It's something we say a lot on this podcast, that if you want to be a published writer, you can. It's just about like picking the avenue and what you want to do. But that can seem really, really overwhelming. So I want to give just like a little bit of advice on how I started. So my first, actually, my very first published article (laughs) or published work was in the third grade with, um, a poetry contest that I entered with uh, my father, of all people, because he is a phenomenal writer and poet. And I wrote a little poem called "Soap Suds" and entered it into a contest. And I didn't think too much about it. Obviously, I was in the third grade, and it got published. And I just remember thinking, like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" So when I was a teenager, I also entered a contest for a poem as well, and got that published. And what I noticed with both of those things is I started locally. I started on a local level. Now, I know today it's so easy to feel like you're not worthy or your work's not good enough unless you have like (laughs) a TEDx talk or it's in, you know, you have an article in Forbes or like some big magazine, or if you're into fiction, some really important literary journal or, you know, publication that everyone's heard about, like I want to be in the New Yorker or the New York Times. And that's great. And that one, thousand percent can happen. But I think just like marketing, when we talk to our authors, our clients about marketing, we often overlook what we can do on a local level. Scout out your local publications. Look at the local newspapers, if you still have a newspaper that exists, or online magazines, or anything that you're really interested in that you think you could contribute to. I feel like really, you know, and I, I need to take my own Advice I've really let that kind of slip in the past, but when I moved back to Nashville about eight years ago from Chicago, I'd been writing in all sorts of outlets in Chicago and and really, really tapped into the local market. So when I moved here, I was a mom. I had a blog at the time called My Veggie Baby, <laughs> um, chronicling you know a vegan pregnancy and a plant-based, um, just kind of like a plant-based life at that time and raising a child who was plant-based. And when I moved here, I found that I didn't really want to write about health and wellness anymore. I wanted to write about what it felt like to be a parent and to be really open and honest. So I reached out to a local publication called The Nashville Scene, and they were starting this really cool imprint uh, called Vodka Yannick for moms who are parents who just wanted to kind of tell it like it is. So I started writing articles called like My Daughter the Asshole and really funny, just Kind of these insights into, you know, sex life after parenting and what it's really like. And it was such an amazing way to kind of dip my toe into the local market. I did the same thing in Chicago, which ended up leading to a huge career shift for me when I really started focusing on this was years and years ago, but I started focusing on like, popular online outlets that weren't necessarily like the Chicago Tribune or these really big, you know, newspapers or things that were hard to get into. Instead, I really figured out what I liked to read, where my potential readers were showing up. And there was this amazing digital magazine called Cheeky Chicago, run by one of my dearest friends, Jessica Zweig, and at her at the time her partner Erica Levin. And I loved this online magazine. I read it religiously and really got to know not only their writing style, but also the content. So that's something I would say if you're starting locally, look at the type of content that is being produced. That is whether you are starting locally or you want to write for like a really big magazine. Look at the types of things that they cover and figure out where you can fit in or where there might be gaps to fill. And I remember I pitched an article on how to have a lavish Chicago wedding under $5,000. And I knew that was something that they kind of covered and they were really into like, you know, what's what's happening in Chicago and like cool things. And so having a lavish wedding under $5,000, it's something that I had done. It's something I knew a lot about. And it really, again, got my foot in the door with these women to show that I could write. And that landed me a managing editor job with them where I ended up managing all 44 of their writers. And it started with me writing. And, you know, we we talk a lot about making money as a writer, and sometimes I feel like people don't realize that your writing skills or your editorial skills can land you all different types of positions. If you told me I would mainly be a book proposal writer and that I'd also be an author myself and that I would be making multiple six figures from both, I would have like laughed in your face and been like, no way, writers don't make money. Um, and it's not about the money, but it is about learning about these skills and figuring out what you really love to do. And sometimes if you can take that writing skill set figure out what you love to do, make money from it, and then your art can maybe just be your art and you don't put so much emphasis on making money from it, it can feel really wonderful and lead to a lot of amazing things. So starting locally, starting small, look at look at these niche publications. I think that's a really, really, really important first step. And then also just figuring out what your goals really are. We talk a lot about this as well. I feel like, you know, I used to be so impressed by people who hit the New York Times bestseller list or got movie deals or this or that. Now I'm like, that's great, great for them, but what does that really even mean anymore? Um, Is that really my goal? Is that really what I want? What do I most want next for my writing career? And that's something I really spend a lot of time with, and it can change. It can change week to week, month to month, year to year, and that's okay. But make sure you know what you're writing for. Make sure you know why you want to be published, how you want to be published, how you want to get your work out into the world. And then from there, figure out what your barriers are. So figuring out your barriers is a huge, huge like key <laughs> to becoming published. So a lot of people will come to us and be like, look, I've written a book or I've written a book proposal, I've pitched it to a million agents and no one's ta- no one's taking it, no one's saying yes. So I guess I'm just going to self-publish. And often when we start digging in, we find that if it's a novel, it has not been professionally edited. Um, the author has not researched the proper agents to send it to, or they don't know how to write a query letter, or they don't know how to pitch, or you know, X, Y, and Z. The, the list can be endless. And I would say a lot of times it's a, a catch-22 because, you know, writing can sometimes feel like you're all alone or you're creating something in a vacuum. And sometimes that's okay. But writing and creating are two very different things than pitching and publishing. I'm gonna say that again. Writing and creating, it's very, very different than publishing, pitching and publishing your work. That's a skill set. Those are skill sets that lend an entirely different hand of tools um, than, than it took to create the work in the first place. So knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, knowing what you really need help with. Like if you're not a great editor, hire someone. It is worth it, I promise. Or find beta readers where they will really tell you like it is. If you don't know how to pitch, if you get overwhelmed with it, find people who've done it successfully and ask for help. I feel like one of the biggest barriers, honestly, to being an author is just not asking for help and not not asking the questions that you don't know. It's okay if you don't know how to pitch. It's okay if you don't really know how the publishing industry works. I've been in this you know, in this industry for decades and there are still some things that I'm like, I don't understand how this works. I still can't read a royalty statement from McMillan, my publisher. It is like the most complicated thing I've ever seen and it makes my head spin. So I ask for help because I don't know exactly how they do it. I don't understand how it all works. So asking questions is so, so vital. So starting locally or small, setting your publication goals, figuring out what your barriers are, and then do your research, whether that is talking to other writers, whether that's diving into the local scene, whether it's connecting with other people in the industry. I have a, a wonderful client who... Um, is writing, has written a parenting book and we worked on her proposal. She already has a publisher interested and she continues to pitch herself to these huge outlets. So she's done a lot of things locally. She's done a lot of things nationally. And she is looking at what is trending in the parenting world, whether it's reactive parenting or shows on TV. And she is figuring out how she can be the expert to really be that voice in that realm. So if you're writing nonfiction, how can you show up as an expert in your field? Um, Again, if you're overwhelmed with it, talk to people who can really help like shape your career. If you're someone who doesn't like marketing, but you want to be on podcasts, there are an amazing podcast agents out there. We know one of them. We, when we started this podcast, this teeny tiny little podcast and wanted to get huge authors on our show, we hired Scouts Agency. So one of our clients was Scout Sobel. She wrote The Emotional Entrepreneur. She ended up self-publishing it leading an amazing, incredible launch all on her own. And she runs such an amazing business where she can book you on other podcasts or she can have, you know, amazing, huge guests on your podcast. And we figured out like that is something that we really want to do to present us as the experts in our field. So figure out how you want to show up in the world and how you want to get yourself and your work out there. And that often does take a little bit of research or talking to other people. Another thing I feel like we don't spend enough time on if you want to be published is refining your pitch. So I made a lot of mistakes when I wanted to write for magazines. You know, I used to be in health and wellness I you know, had a bunch of books out. I was a you know certified personal trainer and nutritionist and all these things. and I wanted to write for Muscle and Fitness hers, and I wanted to write for Shape magazine. And so I remember you know, finding the correct editors out there and starting to pitch, and I would just pitch like very general stuff like i would or I wouldn't even pitch anything at all. I'd just be like, hey, I'm a certified personal trainer. I know what I'm talking about, like. Do you need any writers instead of sending very specific pitches? So I really learned how to create a very succinct pitch to fi- like to look at everything that they'd published in the last few months, especially if it was online, and figuring out how I could fill in the gaps or just simply asking, Hey, this is my expertise. These are the pitches I was thinking, but are you looking for something specific right now? Again, asking questions, maybe an editor really needs, you know, some something in this space or something in in your lane that you might really be able to speak to. So making sure you understand how to pitch, what a good pitch looks like. Um, If you send out a bunch of different pitches to try to write for magazines and you never hear back, chances are something is wrong with your pitch. So really making sure that you understand how to pitch and then really looking at what's out there. What is successful? So if you want to write for The New Yorker or you want to write for, let's say, The New York Times Modern Love um, column, what what seems to really resonate with the crowd? What seems to be super successful and why? What makes a good story and you know, not trying to fit into that box, but really look at what is out there and why. If you want to be a thriller writer, you better be up to date and read as much as you can on what is coming out. Um, One of the the biggest pieces of advice I give to my clients, I've said it on this podcast before, but, you know, if you're wanting to write a book, whether it's nonfiction or fiction, look up Four or five relevant titles that have been published this year. Go to the one star reviews, wherever it is that you're looking, whether it's Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Target, and look at what people are not connecting with. Okay. Look at what, you know, they might be tired of, you know, thrillers having unreliable narrators or, oh, this like twist fell flat. Or if it's something prescriptive, like, oh my God, I don't want another business book. Really look at what people aren't connecting with and see organically if your material or your story fills a different type of gap. Um, Again, I think it's kind of dangerous to to write, you know, to your audience (laughs) directly in terms of like, okay, I know that this is what they want, so this is what I'm going to give them because that really does interrupt your art a little bit. But if you do want to be out there in the public sphere, you do have to play the game a little bit. So knowing what readers want, knowing who your audience is in the first place, knowing what they are or are not connecting with, these are all really important things. Um, besides that, you know, just writing a damn good story, giving yourself space to create a rock solid proposal or The best novel that you can, creating an environment where you want to sit down and write and where you feel that you have this space and expansion or expansiveness to write what you want to write without being attached to the outcome. And, you know, that's something I've really struggled with because I just want to get something else out there. I want to sell something. I haven't sold something in a while. So, I got to sell, sell, sell. And I think that really removes me from the story I actually want to write. So I always say, like being unpublished is the best damn place you can be for your creativity. There are no rules. There are no deadlines. There's no one to impress. Sales don't matter. You just get to write whatever it is that you want to write. And if you start looking at that as an asset, and not a detriment, it can really start to tweak and change the way that you approach your work and making sure with every book you sit down to write or every story or every article that it's coming from a place of integrity and pure creativity instead of focusing on the end result. And that is advice that I really, really, really need to take (laughs) and remember for myself. Um, Something else I would also say is finding an advocate, finding a reader or a team or people who can support you, who understand what it's like to be in this crazy, crazy bubble of of being a creative. And that doesn't mean necessarily finding someone who's just going to tell you your work is good. You know, I think we all crave the validation and you want people to like your work, but finding someone who can challenge you, who can always push you a little bit more, who advocates for you, but also pushes you to be better, it's so vital in order to grow as an artist. Like, I I actually feel like my writing style and all of that hasn't grown and evolved as much as I would like it to because I have been... And kind of a churn and burn, like got to get the book out a year, got to get a book out a year. So I haven't really gotten to like sit and expand. And there are certain writers that I read and I'm just like, oh, my God, if I could just write a book like this. And I think it's really taking the time to create something where, you know, you are pushed, you're doing better than you did last time. You're you're constantly learning about your craft, growing your craft, expanding your craft. I think it's very easy to become complacent or get in a comfort zone with the genre or just resting on your laurels a bit and, you know, it's it's always important to push past it whenever you can. And lastly, <laughs> I would say and if you listen to anything please listen to this 99.99% of this industry is rejection rejection is the biggest part of being a writer or being an author period period So once you know that, once you know that you are going to receive constant no's, that you can be, you could be freaking J.K. Rowling. I mean, everyone's heard her story about how she got rejected so many times. And if you're someone who wants to give up after the first no, the second no, the 50th no, the 100th no, that's fine. But you will not last in this industry. This industry is so much no's. Like in my, in my career, I have received hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of no's. In fact, I have pitched several partial manuscripts now and gotten rejected across the board so much so that I'm like, fuck, did I get a four book deal? (laughs) Like on a fluke? Do I really know what I'm doing? Should I really be doing this? Um, is it, is it, is the magic over? Like, was it a blip? Did I imagine this? Like what, what's going on? And I have to constantly come back to the truth of rejection. This industry is rejection and all you need is one yes. You need someone to connect with your work like you have. You need someone who does want to advocate for you, who does want to fight for you. And sometimes that's your own yes. It's not someone else's. It can be your own yes for self-publishing. It can be your own yes for starting a blog or starting a business or or whatever it is. But if you are willing to put in the effort, if you are willing to be patient and stay the course because you love it, you will get your yes. And it can sometimes take forever. I'm going to use a really great example. We've actually had um, this person on our podcast before. Her name's Georgina Cross. I was just at her book release party supporting her launch. So Georgina and I share the same agent. And Georgina um, came to my book release party in 2018, but she had not yet sold a book. Um, She tried and tried and tried. Our agent Rachel tried and tried and tried. And it was just no after no after no after no. And she got really close to some things. And then, you know, it just it just wasn't working out. Then (laughs) she landed a four book deal with Book-A-Tour, which is this incredible digital publisher. They still do trade paperbacks as well, but she had her launch um, of her first two books during COVID and became a bestseller, sold a shit ton of books. Um, During that time, she landed a two book deal at the same time with Penguin Random House. Then she landed another two book deal. Then she just announced that she landed uh, two deals, two movie deals with Netflix, two, not one, but two. So this is someone who for years hadn't sold anything, but was so generous, kept showing up, kept pushing forward, kept supporting other writers, kept believing in herself, and then suddenly has eight book deals and two movie deals within this span of, of less than two years. Less than two years. So now she is truly a full-time writer and has stepped into her role as author with as much graciousness and gratitude as I've ever seen. And it's been such a lesson to me because I've been very disgruntled with a lot of the way things have gone. And I do feel like that is part of my journey is to share you know, the things that aren't so rosy and that don't go so right. So people can really start to breathe a sigh of relief to be like, oh, I'm not the only one. And to really start asking the deeper questions. If we want this industry to change, if we want things to be better, if we want to advocate for authors and empower authors, then we have to have all of the information. And sometimes that information isn't good. It's not just like, all the all the good shit, like getting the book deals and the movie deals, because that is that can feel like it really separates us as artists and creatives and writers, when in fact we are all the same, whether you are a 16 year old unpublished writer or you're a 70-year-old unpublished writer, or you're a 40-year-old you know, New York Times bestselling author, we are all the same when we sit down and we go into that zone and we put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. We are all the fucking same. And it's so important to remember that and to stay grateful and humble. In fact, I... Have I want to talk about this amazing, amazing supporter of the Right Way podcast and just us in general. Her name's Avery. She is 13 years old, soon to be 14. And she has written book after book after book. And we were trying to pitch her for a while. And then she really wanted to learn like what it took to pitch herself and to query herself and to do the research. And she has not given up and continues to write and push and wants to grow as a writer and is so passionate about it. We have another amazing, amazing client um, whose name is Derek, and he is in his 70s and has written the most incredible novel um, and, you know, is kind of undecided if he wants to get it traditionally published or self-published. And it's so refreshing to see People on either end of the age spectrum or their goals might be a little different or their publication status might be different, but it's the one industry where age really does not matter. All that matters is that you get clear on what you want, that you really focus on creating first and then worrying about the outcome, and that you understand that no is just every no you hear is one step closer to that yes, if a yes is what you actually want to hear. And I just wanted to take some time today and to tell every single unpublished writer out there that you are not alone, that you are an author, you are an author, and you need to feel that. There is no nothing that separates me from you or you from your favorite author, We are all the same, and the more that we can lean into that, the more that we can stay connected, the more we can support each other, the more we can be in a state of gratitude and graciousness and generosity, the better off we will be, the better off this industry will be, and the better off your work will be. So let me know what you think about being an unpublished writer, if you are unpublished, and what you think... Being published will change for you. Um, I'm not shy in saying, you know, I thought it would change all these things. And it, (laughs) it very quickly brought me so many amazing things. And it also brought me to my knees in a lot of ways. So enjoy this space before you get published. It is such a beautiful, creative, powerful place to be, even if it doesn't feel that way sometimes. And know that Joe and I, everyone at RightWay, all the writers out there who have been published are rooting for you, the unpublished writer, that we are here for you, that we see you, and we can't wait to see your name in lights one day. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, As always, if you have any thoughts about this podcast or any other podcast of ours or what you'd like to see us chat about, you can email us at podcast at rightwayco.com. Until next week, have a great day. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Right Way Podcast don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment, and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about RightWay, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services, and sign up for our weekly newsletter, where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers.